Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Happy Saturday, everybody. Welcome back to another Saturday episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and this week the Indiana Pacers lost a couple of games back-to-back here against Chicago, 122-115, to and then Wednesday they lost to Orlando, 119-118, to but they did have a nice victory against the Clippers on Monday night. I was in attendance for that game and got to see Isaiah Jackson drop 26 points with 10 rebounds along with two blocks and zero fouls. It was a fantastic game from him. He did suffer an ankle injury in the very opening play of the Orlando Magic game. He did not play in the remainder of that game or at all against Chicago Bulls. But in this Bulls game tonight, Karis LeVert was a man on fire. He was a torch out there. 42 points on 19 of 26 shooting. He had 28 at the half, and Chicago was throwing double teams at him all second half along. So for him to get to 42, his Pacers career high was very impressive. He also had eight assists. And five rebounds. So teams that are looking to maybe add him to the roster, well, here he is. And then also in this game, Terry Taylor got his first start, starting at center at six foot five, 21 points, 14 rebounds, five assists, had his hands full. Vucevic had his way with 36 points and 17 rebounds. But you know, you like to see the young player out there, Terry Taylor, getting a little bit of experience and also being able to go up against one of the better centers in the Eastern Conference. And then lastly, off the bench, just doing it once again, he is just a microwave for this team. It is Dwayne Washington Jr. Played 28 minutes, had 17 points. He was 7 of 14 from the field. Also had seven rebounds and four assists. So, you know, Dwayne Washington, it's a it's a guy that we've gone back and forth on of how, with how we feel about him. But over the last couple of weeks and really the last month, I think it's safe to say that Dwayne Washington Jr. is a long-term piece for this Indiana Pacers team. Um, He's got to be on that 15-man roster, I would assume, next year, just because of what he can do in terms of shooting the basketball. And tonight, he had a great dunk and a clutch moment, and the crowd went crazy. So I I think the fans have really grown to love some Dwayne Washington Jr., but we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we will be joined by the one and only Michael J. Focci to kick us off with Five with Focci. We'll be right back. Folks, welcome back for Five with Focci. I am going to be highlighting five different things. Could be for, I could be talking for five different minutes uh, each week. And for this segment, we are going to be going with the top five most likely to be traded by the Indiana Pacers before next week's deadline. So this is just my personal opinion on information that I have gathered, conversations that I've had, and my gut feeling on the rankings of these five players and how likely they are to be dealt. Starting at number five, I'm going with Jeremy Lamb. Look, Lamb, he's got a $10.5 million expiring deal. Lamb's production has not quite been there. You know, the last couple of years, he's, he's taken a step or two back. So I don't think the market is really there. For Jeremy Lamb, unless you're going to attach a player to him, perhaps, you know, I don't even want to give up any names because they're coming up on our list. 
So I don't think that Lamb alone is enough to really get you anything. I do think if Lamb is not traded, I think the Pacers could seek a buyout situation. That way they can save some money and also be able to create an open roster spot. Number four on the list, this this might uh, shock some. To others, it might be like, yeah, that feels exactly right. DeMontis Sabonis. I do not think Sabonis is going anywhere. It's not me being a homer. It's just the fact that the Pacers value Sabonis more than other teams value Sabonis. And I don't blame them because he is their all-star. He's their two-time all-star. A lot goes through Sabonis. And at this point, if the Simons are worried about, you know, putting butts in the seats and, and, and having fans not return, then trading Sabonis right now is probably not going to be their best option when the front office is saying that they prioritize players over picks. We commonly hear the Pacers are looking for a Vucevic-like return. Well, you know what? That would entail two first-round picks, a young player like Wendell Carter Jr. and salary filler, but it doesn't seem like the draft picks are really out there for Sabonis, nor is that what the front office wants, or at least what you know, Herb Simon wants. So at this point, I don't think Sabonis is going anywhere. His contract is, is cheap enough where it makes things difficult. You need to attach, you know, for instance, a Jeremy Lamb or other players to him at basically just below $19 million. It's not like you can just make a, a, a clean swap for another star player. So things get complicated. So I don't see Sabonis going anywhere at this deadline. Moving over to number three, his counterpart, a man that, you know, completes the nickname Turbonus, and that's Miles Turner. Look, Turner has been rumored uh, for year after year to the point where I guarantee you he's probably grown numb to these rumors. He's probably just like, you know what, just call me when it's going to happen or not. Uh, if not, I'm ready to just get on with my life. Because at this point, Miles Turner, he's used to it. But things are different this time around. It felt like the Pacers were more likely to move Turner this time around. However, the stress reaction injury could not have come at a worse time. You never wish injuries on anyone, so I do hope that Miles is making a speedy recovery. I do think the Pacers will leak a positive injury report over the next few days, checking in on Turner to let teams know that he is recovering well. However, it it, it scared off, I believe, a few teams. I don't know if Dallas is still in the running. The Knicks need to unload a few players to be able to get Cam Reddish in there, but I don't think that those players are anyone that the Pacers have interest in when you're talking about it. Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier and Alec Burks, that's not really going to do it. So it really comes down to seeing if Charlotte is still in the running. We saw the Portland Trailblazers make a big trade today with the Clippers to unload a lot of salary. I don't know if if they're you know still in the market right now for another trade. Never say never. So at that point, it's a possibility. However, I think at this point, Turner's value is less than ideal. So I think the Pacers probably wait until right around the draft to make a move. Moving over to number two, most likely to be traded by the Indiana Pacers at this upcoming trade deadline. I'm going with Justin Holiday. Justin Holiday is a player that fits each and every team in the NBA. Who doesn't want a three and D veteran? I think the Pacers asked way too much out of Justin Holiday this year. And to a large extent, he's responded. I mean, he's, he's had some big games, but unfortunately he's really like, the, the three-point shooter that the Pacers look to, and I think they put a lot of pressure on him. At, at some games, he was putting up like 13 threes. It just felt like way too much for a guy like Justin Holiday. However, Holiday could be moved to plenty of contenders where he could fit into a role that he's probably far more comfortable with. I think the Pacers asking price for Holiday is 
probably far more reasonable. It seems like we've heard two second round picks. Maybe there's a player of somewhat equal salary uh, and a, you know, a second round pick. But at this point, Holiday is making just over $6 million this year, and he's got another year left on that deal. So it's a very reasonable contract. I mean, any team that would be taking on, you know, $12 million, is it really that big of a deal? I don't think so. But if you're trying to win, Justin Holiday is a player that fits a lot of teams. Like, for instance, like the Los Angeles Lakers. Look, I don't know what we would necessarily be getting in return. Is that like Kendrick Nunn in a second round pick? Like, it's not great when none uh, is expiring. I believe he might have a player option, but I know he hasn't played yet this year. However, Justin Holiday, uh, I think, will definitely have a lot of suitors. And at this point, the Pacers you know, can be able to move him out, clear, clean up that rotation a bit. Number one, most likely to be traded by the Indiana Pacers. I will not back down from this. Karis LeVert. I truly feel that LeVert's time in Indiana has been ticking I know they failed to come to an agreement on a contract extension before the year. Lavert is someone that's he's pretty hard to read. We know he, he very much enjoys that ball in his hand. And I think that he very much values being the guy. You're not going to be the guy in Indiana, or we're just not going to be successful if you are the guy here. So we've heard Lavert to Cleveland what feels like every day. The Pacers asking for two first-round picks for Lavert and Turner. Seems absolutely ridiculous, borderline comical. I think the Pacers start to slowly lessen up on that, and it becomes a first-round pick and a promising young player. And to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if once the trade deadline comes around, the Pacers end up settling for just a first-round pick and salary relief. And that sounds like the Ricky Rubio and a first-round pick to Cleveland deal. You know, the Pacers are going to be able to shave off, I believe, about $19 million dollars for next year, look, some of you are probably saying, okay, and then what are we going to do with the money? I can't tell you what we're going to do with that money, but I do know that uh, ownership doesn't really love spending money. So if they can save about $19 million and bring in a first-round pick and clean up that rotation for guys like Chris Duarte, guys like Dwayne Washington Jr., who continue to get more minutes and so on, I think you got to take that opportunity because – Lavert's someone that he's a very good player. I just feel like it hasn't worked out this year. He was better last year, but I don't know. There was just something that felt very off about his fit with the team starting from this year, and it never really got better. He's had some good moments. He's had some low moments, but I do think that he is most likely to be traded by the Pacers. So uh, that was, in my opinion, the top five most likely to be traded. So I would be curious to see if uh, perhaps a Tory Craig snuck in there. Yep, very possible. Don't want to rule it out, but th that was just my opinion. So hope you guys enjoyed another segment of Five with Fachi. As always, we appreciate you, and let's go Pacers. Always enjoy Fachi's uh, Five with Fachi. What a great segment there. But we're moving on now to the upcoming games for the Pacers this week. And so we'll be back next Saturday. The Pacers will play the Cleveland Cavaliers, who just won a nail-biter against the Hornets in a very interesting Eastern Conference game on Friday night. Um, the Cavaliers are 32-21. and 21. They'll be hosting the Pacers Sunday at 6 o'clock. Could be a nice little try out there for Karis LeVert after, you know, scoring 42 in this game. We'll see what he does against the Cavs. And then the Pacers travel to Atlanta to play the Hawks. So that'll be an interesting game as well. The Hawks are, are one of the hotter teams right now. They just took down the Phoenix Suns on Thursday night. So that'll be a really interesting game. And, of course, 
former Pacers head coach Nate McMillan is there. And that is the last game we have until the NBA trade deadline. So, you know, if you're interested in seeing what happens, I think keep an eye out for this Tuesday game and see what the Pacers do. But they will be back next Friday to play the Cavaliers at home. So they got the Cavaliers twice and the Hawks um, before we are joined once again on that Saturday. And we'll have a lot to talk about this upcoming Saturday. But now we're going to take a break and listen to Fachi break down the player of the week and the rookie report. It's time for your Setting the Pace Player of the Week, brought to you by Smoke and Barrel Barbecue. They put their heart and soul into the food, and uh, I would love to eat there every day if I could. Open Thursday through Saturday at 11, located at Camp Sertoma. Smoke and Barrel Barbecue, baby. All good in this head. Smoke and Barrel Barbecue. It's smoking good. Brogdon for three. LaVert has an eight-point second quarter. Miles, come on, Miles. To tie it, he does! Tied at 106! Warren lays it in, and the foul. And one! Three-day scoring. Sabonis swept the throwdown. Here's another three. Towards What an awesome young man! All right, everybody, welcome back to the Setting the Pace Player of the Week. We will be highlighting three games that happened last week. That is the Dallas Mavericks, the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Orlando Magic game. Uh, and for this week's Setting the Pace Player of the Week, we are going with making his debut for this award. Terry Taylor, the undrafted two-way player out of Austin, PA, showed that all he needed was a chance. As he appeared in all three games of the week, saw his playing time, uh, and production increase in each game. He averaged 14 points on 64% shooting to go along with 2 of 4 shooting from 3 and 8.6 rebounds per game. Remember, he's 6-5. However, this man plays far bigger than his size. He was able to be used as a small ball 5 um, after O'Shea Brissett's uh, injury. He had to play 37 minutes in the game. So, you know, let's just take you through the week for, for Terry. Playing time against Dallas, limited just 12 minutes. Against the Clippers, he had 15 and 8 on 7 of 11 shooting when Isaiah Jackson rolled that ankle on the first play of the game. Terry stepped in as a small ball five, played 37 minutes before fouling out, and dropped 24 points and 16 rebounds on 10 of 15 shooting. It was his truly, you know, I'm a I have arrived moment to all casual NBA fans, and for Pacer fans, I mean, this just put him on the map as this guy is way too talented to be at the end of the bench. He needs to be getting minutes right now. I'm catching a little bit of that O'Shea Brissett vibe from last year towards the end of the year where you got this guy that you really had no expectations for who's playing well above those expectations. A bit undersized for his position, but plays far bigger than his size. So, loved what I saw from Terry on the week. It was tough, though. Runner-up was Dwayne Washington Jr., who was absolutely on fire against Dallas and the Clippers. However, we will be right back with our Rookie Report. The Rookie Report, brought to you by Pizza King. Located at 135 and Fairview Road. Call us at 317-882-0340 to place your order today. Pizza King, a proud sponsor of Setting the Pace. The Rookie Report. Duarte inside scores his first NBA points. Now Duarte, his three is perfect. Duarte, 
He knows where the clock is, lets it fly, and hits again! Beat him up. Duarte, step back three, and hits his third. That's a tough three, too. Now Duarte, another three. Here's a long three. Duarte, got it! Tucker thought he had a lightweight. Welcome back for this week's Setting the Pace Rookie Report. We're highlighting a few rookies, first of which, Isaiah Jackson. Isaiah Jackson appeared in technically three games over the last week, but he only played more than, you know, 30 seconds in two of them. Unfortunately, rolled his ankle against uh, the Magic. Did not return. He's going to miss the game against Chicago. When you're listening to this, that game will have already happened. However, Isaiah Jackson on the week averaged 19 points. On 63% shooting, he was 2 of 5 from 3, showing that the 3-point shot will be there as it continues to develop. And he averaged 8 rebounds on the week to go along with 2.5 blocks and countless lobs finished. I counted 3 lobs finished from just Karis LeVert uh, in that Clippers win, so that, that was exciting to see. Look, he flashed unbelievable athleticism in his first career start. We're talking about 26-10 and 10 on 12 of 19 shooting, two blocks, and wait, wait, what is this? Not a single foul. After, you know, fouling out in the previous game, I mean, this man responded. Unbelievable performance against the Clippers. Uh, Love to see it. It was a shame that he got hurt in that game against Orlando. I think the Pacers not only would have won that game, which they ended up losing 119 to 118, but I think that Isaiah Jackson would have been really, really fun to watch in that game. Um, We already highlighted Terry Taylor as he was this week's Setting the Pace Player of the Week. He had a a great week. But moving on to Chris Duarte. Duarte played in all three games on the week against Dallas, the Clippers, and the Orlando Magic. Fortunately, he struggled a bit. This wasn't the same Duarte that we're used to. He averaged 10.3 points per game on just 33% shooting. He went 2 of 6 from 3. And he had five rebounds per game. So you like the rebounding. However, you know, it wasn't vintage Duarte. Or maybe we've gotten spoiled uh, this season. His top performance on the week was 12 points on five of 11 shooting against the Dallas Mavericks. Moving over for the runner-up for the setting and pace player of the week, Dwayne Washington Jr., the undrafted rookie, was phenomenal. He appeared in all three games on the week. And he averaged 14.3 points per game on 46% shooting and 44% from three. He also averaged 3.5 assists per game, so you you like him, uh, you know, flashed some playmaking skills. His top performance was a career-high 22 points on nine of 17 shooting to go along with three of six from three against the Dallas Mavericks. However, he was equally as impressive when dropping 16 points because it was on four of seven shooting from three In a game against uh, the Clippers, where the Pacers were able to get that win, he was absolutely unconscious from three with a quick release. You'll remember the shimmy from that game because it was truly a moment. I mean, Dwayne Washington caught fire and was a a big part of the Pacers being able to grind out that win. Moving over to our other undrafted rookie, Kiefer Sykes. (sighs) This was tough. Sykes' playing time was solidly down on the week. While he made appearances in all three games in the week, he played just five minutes against the Mavericks, a handful of seconds against the Clippers, and nine minutes against Orlando. He totaled just two points in the week and four rebounds, so not a lot of real stats there to go with, unfortunately, but all all the rookies still got playing time on the week, so we look forward to, you know, 
getting Isaiah Jackson back on the court, getting Chris Duarte back into a flow, hoping Dwayne Washington Jr. can continue this, as well as Terry Taylor, who has an opportunity with most of the bigs out. And then Kiefer Sykes saying, we're all rooting for Kiefer. We know how great of a story he is, and we, we just hope that continues uh, on the year. So that was all for this week's Setting the Pace Rookie Report. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll have it coming to you again next week. All right, so I'm going to combine once again the tweet of the week and the quote of the week, and it's going to be featured around fan favorite Lance Stevenson. So, of, of course, everyone was curious, what are they going to do with Lance once this last 10 day expires? So there is a, there is a possibility you could put him on a hardship deal with Sabonis being in COVID protocols, but they decided, forget that, official, we have signed Lance, Lance Stevenson through the end of the season via the Pacers Twitter. And then there's a picture of him clapping with a big smile, open mouth on, on his face. And he's got an autograph there, number six. And so we are just happy to have Lance for the rest of the season. Terms of the contract, uh, of the deal were not leaked to the uh, to the public. So not really sure what that contract is, but Lance Stevenson getting the quote of the week here on Instagram. Lance Stevenson at Stevenson Lance said, thank you Pacers for believing in me and giving me this opportunity once more. Also to all the Pacer fans that come out and support that blue and gold, y'all are truly amazing. It's been a long two years of just grinding, believing in myself and learning from my failures. I manifested that this day will come if I kept putting in the work that was needed off and on the basketball court. There's a saying, if you want to be proud of yourself, then do things in which you can take pride. And that's what I exactly did. So if you have a dream, believe in that. Pacer Nation, let's go with a blue heart, a yellow heart, a blue heart, two more yellow hearts, a blue heart, and a basketball. And then he said, Priority Sports, we did it again. Thank you. So Pacer fans, always good to hear from Lance himself. Um, he loves Indianapolis, and I don't blame him. So uh, really cool. So instead of doing a, a feel-good moments in the week, we're going to close out the show with our fan of the week. Uh, we were unable to put it on with one of our regular shows this week. So we thought, you know what? We're just going to move it over to our Saturday show. So Fachi did this interview one-on-one -on -one with the one and only Matt Peck at Elp underscore Peckbo on Twitter. And I want to th thank Matt uh, once again for hooking me up with some great tickets to the Clippers game. So Really appreciate that. Matt is a uh, is a terrific follow on Twitter, loves the Pacers, has been a diehard fan for a very long time. So we're going to close out the show today with our fan of the week. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. We'll be back on Sunday night, Monday morning, going to do DeMontis Sabonis fake trades as we head into the trade deadline. So um, going to give the mailbag a break for the next week. But after this week, we will get back to it. But once again, DeMontis Sabonis, Fake trade ideas, but now let's get to the fan of the week. All right, everybody, we are back for this week's setting the pace fan of the week. We have none other than loyal listener Matt Peck. Matt, what's going on? I'm just trying to stay warm here in the Midwest. Uh, I don't know how it is out there on the East Coast where you are, but we're getting uh, we're getting slammed with some snow and wind. That is what I hear. Alex was actually supposed to make this segment, but the snow kept him from it. So I do hope you're staying safe over here. Now, everybody, Matt is a very, very loyal listener, always sending in questions uh, for our mailbag episode. So definitely appreciate you there, Matt. But I thought we'd take it back to maybe the beginning. When you became a Pacer fan, what are some of like, your earliest memories uh, You know, becoming a fan? 
Oh, wow. Well, I, uh, I, of course, I'm a little bit older than all you guys are. I, actually, I'm going to date myself here because, unfortunately, I was born in the year that the Pacers were created. So I've uh, ah, right. grown up being a fan. So I was born in 1967. So that, uh, yeah, you can tell I've uh, been around a long while. My first memories as a Pacer fan, though, are kind of weird. I obviously was way too young to remember the good old ABA days. So I kind of always been jealous of those guys who were able to talk about all the championships. My first memory is in 1976, which was the first year they entered the NBA. Uh, so I remember uh, vividly, actually, I still remember watching with my grandpa. Uh, they played the Portland Trailblazers who had won, either had won the title that year or were going to win it that year. I don't remember which. And it was a very late night game. And, uh, you know, basically we were outclassed because, you know, the, I don't know if you know much about the merger between the ABA and the NBA, but mm -hmm. they robbed us of all of our assets, basically. But what we had was kind of like the team we got going right now. You know, the current set of uh, young guys, uh, no stars, but all everybody was, you know, busting their butt that night. And I just remember we kept it close. I mean, like it was I think we ended up only losing by like two or three points. And, you know, I just remember thinking that was just the greatest thing I'd ever seen. And so I, I don't know why I naturally graduated just to being a Pacer only fan, but that's, it kind of worked from there. So probably from, oh, about the age of nine or 10, I've been a fan, you know, uh, wholeheartedly since my very first adult purchase, I graduated in high school, once again, way before you were born, uh, in 1985. And my first adult purchase was I purchased a pair of Pacer tickets. Nice. Um, yeah, that was my first doll. Uh, so I, I, when people talk about tanking and being at the bottom, I encourage you all to go Google and look at the, what the Pacers record was in 1985 and 86. Uh, I saw some really bad teams. Yep. Uh, but, but it was fun. I mean, I was, uh, and bear in mind, I was poor, came right out of high school. So I didn't sit down in the lower decks or anything. I, I was literally at the top of my market square arena. I could, uh, I could bang on the corrugated wall on the very top of the building to help make noise. So that was that, always fun. That's awesome. You know, that's why I love connecting with, you know, some of our listeners because, you know, all different years, all different eras. I mean, everything, it, it's really enjoyable to kind of hear, you know, what made them a fan. And when you're talking about, you know, 1976, I mean, I got a question for you. Do you remember if Bill Walton played in that game at all? He, he, he did. He okay. did play. And I do remember him playing. Um, yeah, I probably – I probably maybe remember a couple of different times seeing him, but the only reason I remember more specifically was at that point in time, he still had the beard and the long hair. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause you know, the next time I think I saw him, I think he might've been with the Clippers at that point in time. He'd already cut off all of his long hair and had shaved his beard. So he, he didn't look the same, but yeah, he looked like a good old hippie back then. It was <laughs> kind of cool. So that was, it was fun. But you know, and then like I said, I, came in uh i've had the tickets since 85 and 86 some some capacity up to right now and um you know i i got to see i've seen a lot i mean i actually have had i've seen every home playoff game in the nba with the exception of two and that's because i was actually out of the state and wasn't here for the it was one time in the 2000 and I want to say I, we played the Detroit Pistons and I'm actually kind of glad I didn't see that game because I know we lost for like 40, 30 or 40 points. I don't remember which one it was, but, but I was there the night that Reggie uh, pushed off on Jordan. Oh, hit that that's big amazing. Shot. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. oh, it was great. It was fun. But I'll tell you what, the one that was more fun than that though, was the one that Rick Smith hit uh, against, the the magic. Last against the Orlando magic yep. because 
that was actually the end. I mean, that was like the third or fourth game winning shot because Brian Shaw hit exactly. a game shot. Yep. That looked, yeah. So, I mean, it, the, the Penny Hardaway just, after that, oh, I believe. Yep. It was. And then Ridgie in there stuck one, too. I think it was, I think it went Shaw, Ridgie, Hardaway, and then ultimately Rick. And it was real cool because I remember right after the game, Smith's had an interview and he just said that Vern Fleming told him to give Tree Rollins a pump fake because Tree would always bite for the pump fake. <laughs> and that he, and he did. said he did. And and that's how he got the wide open shot. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. No, those are some awesome stories right over there. And first, it's really cool that you mentioned, you know, you got you became a season ticket holder like right before Reggie Miller got there in 87. So, you know, you're talking about almost like you, you know, entering a new era right over there because playoff appearances were super hard to come by, you know, before Reggie Miller joined the team. So, you know, that that's awesome. And then now, you know, you, you took us through some of the best moments in Pacer playoff history. Um, but now to, to current day. I mean, you mentioned a little bit about the current team. They're without some stars right now. There's some injuries. But what's your thought on where they go from here right now? You know, that uh, I, I think it might have been Dickens that said it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Yep. I, I kind of feel that way now that. To me, this is a culmination of about four years. I think so. I, I saw this coming about four years ago because when Vic tore his knee, we had a lot of assets we could have done yep. things with. And just because our ownership doesn't, they just won't do that kind of stuff. It, you know, we, I feel like we've just been floundering for the last three or four years. And so finally this year, it's basically, it's just time to pay the bill. You know, you're between certain play. I mean, I, Obviously, I'll always say that the injuries will factor into something, but at the end of the day, you kind of got to look at the guys who are, they're always injured. I mean, it's yep, the same guys we're true. talking about, you know, and so you you kind of have to wonder about that a little bit. Not that I'm saying any of it's fake. I mean, I believe it's all real, but you just have to, some guys will fight through other things that other guys won't, but you know, what, whatever. But uh, I think right now that the season started out so horrible, uh, but it's, I think basically, I, the only thing I could just tell you is, it just seems like we've been in a tomb and somebody kicked open the door and a breath of fresh air just came in, you know, and that's Isaiah Jackson, Terry Taylor, uh, even uh, Washington Jr., who I just oh, yeah. had no no expectations from that guy at all. But it's like, this guy may be the best shooter on our team right now. I think I, I, it could be. He could be. Yeah, that's 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 what's killing me. It's like, and then Isaiah Jackson, he's just, I, I, you know, I, I'm so high on him. I, I'm probably very unrealistically high, but. I, people don't I'm really – people probably don't remember him much, but Dale Davis as a rookie was not – every, when everybody thinks about him, they think about Dale when he was about two to three years in the league, mm -hmm. and, you know, he was a big, strong guy and, you know, strong as anybody. But when he first came into the NBA, he was a lot thinner. Now, granted, he was far more muscular than what Isaiah is, but that body structure and the, the leaping ability – uh, you know, Dale had that when he first came into the league. And so that's kind of – I don't want to put that kind of pressure on Jackson because he's certainly not the rebounder that Dale was or, or frankly, the tough guy. But you know what? Dale was never the shooter that this guy is either. So it's uh, – yeah, I think he'll – I think he's going to be great. Um, I, you know, I'm, I like Kiefer Sykes. He's a good guy. Um, but I, I think more than anything else, what, what we just have to I, – I just hope that they don't do anything to blow with the asset of that draft pick. We, we need somebody – to come in here that's we need top end talent we just we need to stop having a group of b level players and try to get maybe try to get an a level and i realize you know the draft's a crapshoot you're, you're not guaranteed to get anything but you know drafting in the lower levels 
well, what we ended up getting is what the, the re- reality is. You know, that's what you end up with most of the time. You know, However, I'm with you on Goga. I, I think we've done Goga wrong. I, yeah. I think he can play. I really do think the guy could be more of a contributor. But, you know, at this point in time, if you had to, if I had to choose between Isaiah and Goga, eh, sorry, I'm going to have to go of with course. Isaiah. Of course. Now, look, you hit on some great points over there. This rebuild was probably supposed to start in 2017 when we moved Paul George. Turns out, though, Victor Oladipo, Sabonis, they were great, you know, pieces to get back. And and something special happened for about a year. And it probably lasted a little bit too long. So now's the time where they really are. The franchise is, is at that crossroads over here. But, Matt, what a time or what a draft class to bring in. When Chris Duarte's name doesn't even come up, you mentioned some great rookies over there. Duarte, I mean, that's another guy over there where, man, the Pacers might have struck gold with this draft class that came in. Now, when you touched on Goga, yes, he's definitely better than riding the bench. He's one of those guys, if you looked at his per 36 minutes, it's really good. He, he just he just doesn't get enough minutes. But, however, when you mention all the guys ahead of him, I mean, Isaiah Jackson, I think there's something special there. Now, you mentioned he doesn't have the muscles of, as Dale Davis, but this is a guy who's 20 years old. We let him fill out a little bit, give him some time. I think he can come back as twice the player that he was this year. And we have not had this type of freakish athleticism in quite some time. So I'm really excited. You touched on Dwayne Washington Jr. This kid can flat out shoot. I mean, undrafted, the fact that the Pacers were able to get this guy signed as well as Terry Taylor. I mean, for anyone who missed the game yesterday against Orlando, Terry Taylor, he's 6'5". He might be the best rebounder on the court most times that he steps on there. So the Pacers did a really good job finding talent in places that you wouldn't expect it. The problem is, is there's there's just a lot of more veterans ahead of them that were in that crossroads of are we keeping them, are we moving them or not? But there's too much talent at the end of the bench when coming in the year. We didn't really think that most of these guys were going to be able to contribute. So if there's one guy that's got to go at this deadline, who are you leaning towards? Well, you know, <clears throat> I'm going to say probably a surprising person here because I don't think he's a bad player. Don't get me wrong. I, if, if we were a contending team right now, I'd say I'd want to keep him, but in, in a different role than what we're playing him in. But just to be honest with you right now, I think the person that's probably going to have to get out of here is Justin Holiday or Justin Holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's a good guy. He's a perfect three and D kind of player. Yep. But he's also 31, maybe? Mm-hmm. Is he 30? 31. Yeah, he's 31. Yeah. And his timeline and our timeline don't really match. Really agree. And what we need to do with that is we need to be able to play these kids. Uh, you know, we, we don't need to two or three years from now find out that they're, you know, just making the mistake. Well, like what we did with Goga, basically. Exactly. Um, and we need to get this some open space. And it's not because, like I said, it's not because I don't like him. He's a he's a good player, but it's just he just doesn't fit to what we're doing right now. And for his benefit too, you know, he's only got a few years left in the NBA at a high level. I was looking at maybe, you know, putting him and Jeremy Lamb to Utah and trying to bring back uh, Joe Ingles, who's out for the year. <clears throat> and he, he's an expiring contract. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Elijah is it Wood is it, or Hart, something like that. I'm not sure what his, uh, uh, there's another guy on there. So what is his name? Oh, it's, yeah, it's Elijah Hughes. That's mm-hmm. it. And, and uh, you know, I, I, and if we could get maybe a couple of second round draft picks thrown in, uh, that that to me that's a kind of a space clearing and cap clearing move that because uh, you don't have to resign Ingles you, and honestly I I wouldn't want to no, but, I uh, I. yeah so you know I yeah, like I mean, that, that move I do 
And yeah, like I said, Justin's a good guy. But if you're asking me who, that's that's probably who. A great guy, ultimate professional. I mean, when you're talking about guys who play through injuries and not, he was recently the Iron Man in the league. He had played oh, yeah. like over 200 straight games before COVID. Um, so that's a guy that you can count on. He honestly fits the needs of just about every team in the league. No one would say Justin Holiday does not fit here. I do think the asking price for Holiday would probably be about two second round picks. When you mentioned Utah, Utah's trying to win now. I mean, they really are. So when you mention a guy like Jeremy Lamb in there, I think that he actually does fit Utah because many teams might not be interested in Lamb. But if, you know, what's going out is Joe Ingles, who's not going to play the rest of the season. And then, yeah, more of like a younger guy, whether it is Hughes, whether it is potentially like, you know, I don't know if they would be willing to give up a Jared Butler, like one of those younger guys that, that could, you know, the Pacers could roll the dice on. I think that is a good move. So, uh, you know, you mentioned Justin Holiday, but then you still got the problem with the bigs. There's too many bigs. And ironically, last night, there actually wasn't any bigs. So do you, I don't know what the Pacers are going to do in terms of cleaning up that rotation. But do you see Miles Turner on the roster to end this season? It, if I was just a thinking logically how most people would trade, I would say no. However, we're dealing with the Pacers here. Um, mm-hmm. Now we are. You know, I, I honestly think we're going to hear that there just wasn't anything that we could do. And then we're going to, you know, look to see and over the summer, maybe that at the, you know, around the draft. But uh, I, I don't know. It, I, I guess I'd put it at 60, 40 that he would still be here to be honest with you. I, I just don't, I think you're, I don't think they're as willing to split that big up is what you and I would be. I, I mm-hmm. still think Kevin thinks that can work. Uh, I don't think Rick thinks it works, but I think Kevin does. I definitely don't think that Rick thinks it works. I, I think that he's he's got other plans, and I'm with you on that in terms of, you know, the Pacers always say, or Pritchard always says, he's not going to make a deal just to make a deal. And I feel like Turner's value is probably at the lowest it's been right now, given the stress reaction, uh, you know, injury. So I don't see them kind of trading him just to get him off the team for, you know, what could be maybe one player and a couple second-round picks when apparently we're hearing that they want two first-round picks. And no one's going to give him that right now. So I don't know how many uh, serious suitors there still are. So there's going to be a lot of questions answered over the next week. Trade deadline is on the 10th as we're recording this right now. It is February 3rd. So it's an exciting time as a fan. I know uh, that the season isn't going where we hoped it would. But Matt, I definitely want to thank you for coming on the show and being a loyal you know, supporter of ours. It means a lot to Alex and I. So tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, basically, I have my uh, title is just L Peckbo. It's uh, E L uh, underscore and then Peckbo, P E C K B O, uh, at Twitter. Uh, I'm on there every now and then. I don't have a big Twitter presence. I, I follow it a lot. I read it, but I'm one of the admins on the Pacers Digest, so people can people can find me there just under the name Peck, P E C K. Hey, it's great, and, and you know, Matt, you can tell when when Pacer basketball when it's going good. It's great, and it's great embracing, you know, all the other fans out there when they're excited. So I look forward to getting back to that. I look forward to interacting with you all on Twitter and keep sending those questions in. Like I said, we really appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. If you're ever uh, here in Indiana, just tell Alex uh, I, I can hook you guys up like I did Alex the other night. So hope to see you someday. Really appreciate that. You have a great day. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, man. Appreciate it.
At the Coca-Cola Company, Keurig Dr. Pepper, and PepsiCo, some of our bottles can be remade in a whole new way, using 100% recycled plastic. New bottles using no new plastic, except the caps and labels. Learn more at madetoberemade.org.